the Got Your Back podcast wishes to pay our respects to the Wabakal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded. We wish to extend our respects to Elders past and present, as well as any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening to or downloading our podcast. Is this thing on? (laughs) Get those girls a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I back that. Like it or love it, we've got your back. Your favourite divergent duo. Welcome back to episode two of the Got You Back podcast. And don't worry, I've brought Grace along again. She's not left the building. She's right here. Hey, Grace. Hello. And I'm not eating any mince. <laughs> Just want that everyone to be really aware of that. Yeah, we learnt from last time. We've clarified it. It's all good. We're good to go. We're ready. We're attentive. Well, um, relatively attentive. You know, as, as much as a virgin way. <laughs> Alrighty, and I guess but to, before we start on today's episode, which I'm really excited for and I think is something that we both obviously live and breathe, I just wanted to say, and I think you're the same, Grace, how like overwhelmed we are by the amount of support, the amount of feedback that we've already gotten on episode one. Yes, I am blown away that, that people keep reaching out and saying that they've listened or saying that they can't wait to listen or I don't know feels like massive imposter syndrome when people message and say, I know, we listened to your first episode, like, it was awesome or um, can't wait for more. I know. And it like, just sort of feels like, I don't know, like, because to you and I, we were kind of like, oh, what is this? It's like, we don't know what we're doing. Well, we're just was, talking. It's like, it was just us raving on. I know. And, me and it's having like, as if people can like listen to that and connect with that and have I, such a response to it. Yes. I'm, I'm, I was shocked with that, but then. It's yeah, it's beautiful, and I think it just goes back to how much demand there is for this type of yep. stuff, and we really like kind of have found a bit of a gap or something that people want to hear and people want to talk about, um, not to sort of blow. And George, I don't know if we mentioned <laughs> last episode, but we're yeah. going to be passionate and authentic. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned that enough, but no, we, we are. Did. I think the demand is for yes, we're psychologists, but for like that authenticness, like it's yeah, it's not. I'm not even going to mention it, but everything that everyone already knows. Mm. Um, it's just, yeah, it's so unreal. Sorry, I did actually just sign out a little bit in that last sentence. It's okay. That you had. It's but not, I, you know, yeah. You have to pay attention for a minute then. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I guess we're super excited to come back for episode two. And so yep. today, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll know that today we're talking about ADHD, what it is, um, how it can differ in females yeah or I guess you know commonly what is known as the female presentation Mm. I think in the space we are moving towards um Mm. referring to it as the internalizing presentation while acknowledging that and we'll get into this a lot more later while acknowledging that you know the internalizing presentation isn't just exclusive to those assigned female at birth absolutely but yeah I guess as we'll talk about it is the more common presentation in females hence why it was pretty well widely known as the female presentation Mm -hmm. um and so yeah towards the end you and I are both going to share our diagnosis journeys um and then I guess we did you know get some listener feedback throughout so we're going to talk about which blows me away as well like I I you know I remember saying oh we're going to incorporate your questions and your your feedback and where and what like, you want to know about it. and no in my response. head I was like we'll no just response. be our family members yeah yeah I'm yeah. just be your sister and my yeah. best friends having to ask us questions like the fact that, that we genuinely have yeah. viewer feedback viewer questions 
um, it's quite exciting. I'm yeah, I'm stoked. And so, and I guess a lot of the things that stoked. we did get, stoked, girl. Um, yeah, a lot of the things we did get back are sort of in line with with what we were sort of thinking and it aligns like so much with both of our own experiences mm. and gave us some really good ideas for what to do in future episodes Absolutely. as well. So thank you so much for that. Um, I guess without any further ado, we may as well jump into it. So yeah, as I said, okay, we're going to so talk about what ADHD is, um, mm-hmm. some really like the nuts and bolts of ADHD yep. criteria. And right um, now you're going, and I. this is so fabulous and strategic of me, I've given, you know, happy to delegate this part to Georgia. <laughs> She's going to talk now about, this yeah. is right, that you're going to just whiz through the DSM criteria. And when I say whiz, I'm really going to whiz because it's a big, well, you know, I wouldn't even be able to tell you how many pages are in the DSM. It's this huge, 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 huge book. And the DSM is the Diagnostic yeah. Statistical Manual. Yes, and we are up to the fifth edition of that. I think even there's been a revision of the fifth edition. Yes. Yes, anyway. It's a very big – but I guess for those that aren't psychologists or familiar, um, it's basically this book that we have with different – like all of the diagnoses, Mm. I guess, that, you know, have different criteria. And if you meet that criteria, you get the diagnosis and tick, 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 tick. And so I guess – there are, I guess, shortcomings with that way of diagnosing things and people do get missed, but also we can't, we also can't do our jobs without it as well. We so we, while we can recognise that, particularly with ADHD, as I think Grace is going to get into in a minute, um, this is, a, I guess, a big reason why females and those with the internalising mm. presentation are getting missed more often Don't because of the criteria that are written. It's not time for your soapbox yet, okay. Grace. <laughs> yeah. so I'm but not I love what you said because even if there's things that maybe could be different or improve with a DSM. Mm. I'm being very diplomatic right now. Yeah. Um, we use it and we have to use it. And that is how we get our clients that we work with funding. Yeah, absolutely. I and just, it's dumb. I just tap the table and it makes a very loud noise for Georgia. It's okay. We just is want the okay? sound Do you quality. Is it okay? doing it? No. Okay, so it's not okay. <laughs> You'll have to ask our listeners what they think of it because okay. they're the ones listening. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm going to get into the DSM okay, criteria and it. try and wrap it up as neatly as I can and we can move on. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so I guess, yeah, ADHD, as you guys may be aware, stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. There are three subtypes of ADHD. So there's the primarily inattentive subtype, which is all of those executive functions. And again, we'll talk more about that and what Mm -hmm. that means. Primarily inattentive, yeah. Yeah. There's the primarily hyperactive Mm -hmm. um, subtype, which doesn't really – I haven't seen anyone be diagnosed with purely hyperactive um, ADHD. Then, yeah, I I think I've read somewhere it's not super common or that it's Mm -hmm. hardly diagnosed because – like I guess. How could you have, you know, like really, like mm. just on a basic level, how could you be really attentive and really able to focus mm. your attention if you're off yeah. being hyperactive? It's I'm interesting. And keep, again, sorry if you like, if you are listening and you do have um, the primarily yes. hyperactive subtype, I'd love to have a chat. Or yeah. if you know someone, yeah. Anyway, we'll sorry. segue. We'll segue away from that <laughs> to be to be <laughs> continued. Um, so, yeah, and then the third subtype is a combination of both the inattentive and the hyperactive traits. And I would say that's, again, probably the more common type. Who knows? Actually, I'm not going to say that it is because I don't know for sure. Um, so, basically, the diagnostic criteria is broken up into different sections. So, I guess to be to meet criteria, I did air quotes. You can't see me <laughs> uh, unless you're watching the video. I got to see it. <laughs> Thanks, Grace. But... 
yeah, I guess so. To me, to be diagnosed as having inattentive ADHD, mm-hmm. you have to meet six of nine criteria that they stipulate in the DSM. So they sort of relate to things about, yeah, um, not giving attention to close details, careless mistakes, things like that. So that can show up in schoolwork, work, anything really. You've got things like sustaining attention in tasks or their ability, a person's ability to sustain attention in tasks. But I guess mm-hmm. we've got to look at that as we'll talk about maybe later, maybe not, maybe about how that the difference in attention between Sorry. doing something we're interested in. Oh, sorry, sorry, Grace. I'm really focused I'm sorry, on, my, to, yeah, on my go, big words. Go, go, go. <laughs> um, I guess the differences in attention from when we are focused and attentive mm-hmm. and interested mm-hmm. in something versus maybe when something's not in line with our interests, that can impact that mm-hmm. sustained attention, right? Yep. Um, I guess not being listened to and spoken to directly. So that was a good example of that just before, Grace. You were talking and I was not directly listening to you. You mm-hmm. made a joke. I didn't hear the joke. Well, <laughs> well, you're doing something we've planned for you to do on the second episode of our podcast. Quite important. The criteria for ADHD. Potentially, I was not listening and making jokes. That is honestly, look, and that's fine. We accept each other. We're, you know, we're in this together. It's yeah. all good. Um yeah, so I guess not, yeah, zoning out in conversations, not being able to follow conversations, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, not following through on instructions, failing to finish tasks. And actually, I'm not going to say failing. That's what the DSM mm. says. And again, that's something that a lot of people come at the DSM for is some of the language. It's quite deficit focused, mm. quite medical. So I've just read directly off that. I wouldn't say fail to complete, but there's differences, let's say, in the way that tasks are finished, tasks mm-hmm. are engaged in. Um, things like that, organising, um, and again, that comes down to executive functioning. So planning, organising, remembering, those mm. things can impact us doing day-to-day tasks, organising things, remembering things, mm. attending appointments, organising to record a podcast at a specific time and day, you know, having all the things you need, <laughs> oh. those things like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's, yeah, uh, differences. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, not deficits, differences. Um, DSM does say deficits yeah we are saying differences yes exactly and that's we're neurodiverse affirming (laughs) psychologists and that's a big part of what we do the last two couple of things for inattentive adhd is like yeah sort of avoiding or procrastinating Mm. off-putting tasks that we find boring we don't have enough of a time limit for things like that we're sort of sidetracking we're like oh i don't really want to do my tax return oh look at this over here i'm going to go and do this mm-hmm. it's sort of like we're avoiding those things we know are really boring going to take a lot of effort going to take a lot of time to mm-hmm. complete and the things that yeah and if they're, they're not going to create dopamine for us yeah yeah and yeah zero zero dopamine in- well i would say i'm weirdly always good at doing my tax return because i obviously love money um that's one of my dopamine <laughs> things and yeah exactly and that's because if you like money if you like money that's in line with your interest that's why you will do your tax return Mm. because again when we talked about sustained attention you can sustain your attention better because you know i'm gonna get my tax return i'm gonna get my money Mm -hmm. absolutely you're gonna get a new vest top or a new (laughs) a new lipstick or you know all those things the last one for inattentive and i yeah i'm conscious that i'm not making this very short, but losing things, misplacing things, not knowing where things are, leaving things behind. I wish I had all of the time back that I spend looking for my keys on a daily basis. And I don't know what I would do with that time, probably scroll on TikTok or Instagram or something like that, but that's okay. Oh, and yeah, easily distracted by things going on around us. So if someone was walking past a window, looking outside, looking at what Grace is doing, hearing a conversation, 
um, listening in on that instead of attending to what you're doing. Um, I find that really hard actually. If someone's, if I'm talking to someone and I can hear someone near me talking, I'm like, oh, what are they talking about? That sounds cool. But then I'm having a perfectly great and nice conversation with someone in front of me. Um, yeah, and in future episodes again, we will talk about actually how debilitating yeah. and how significant the impact that this mm. can have. Absolutely. Because you can read that and go, ooh, like a little bit of difficulty yeah. following a conversation. No, it is so much more debilitating, disabling, mm. life-impacting for a lot of people. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I know that Grace and I make jokes about it, but that's sort of our dynamic. We make jokes about our ADHD, but it is. It's like, it's very serious and very disabling in so many contexts that um, – yeah, decided to start a podcast to talk about <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's basically the inattentive stuff all tucked away. The other side that I've mentioned before is the hyperactive side. And um, I guess those are sort of those, again, this is what the DSM will tell you, those mm-hmm. very stereotypical um, six-year-old boy Jumping around the classroom, throwing chairs, throwing tables, yep. like that little boy we mentioned in our last episode. Yeah, God, he's getting, little boy he's getting some airtime, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's you know he's got all the airtime and all this like the research as Absolutely. well and, that, and DSM. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Of course, we're going to talk about him, right? So though these are probably what falls into this category. And again, a lot of women, even if they maybe do fit the combined subtype, might not get picked up because, as we'll probably talk about later, I'm giving away spoilers, but yeah. the I'll the hyperactive presentation can be more internalized or the behavioral mm-hmm. profile that can look slightly different mm-hmm. so we don't actually mm-hmm. pick it up because the book doesn't tell us to pick it up mm-hmm. um so i guess yeah fidgeting with hands tapping squirming in our seat being uncomfortable to be seated um running or climbing in situations where that's inappropriate generally just being restless um yeah. Unable to play or engage in leisure activities quietly. Um, I, this one just spins me out the whole time, but like often on the go or acting as if driven by a motor. Yeah. I don't know. I feel it's like we're, just, we're at back yeah. to the middle ages. And I, yeah, again, I don't want to get in, into it too much now, mm-hmm. but because we're neurodiverse affirming and we view it as differences, mm. I guess it's just interesting hearing you read it out, even though oh, I knew the criteria okay. of like, so what, so the gold standard in life is not to be doing those things. Yeah, exactly. And know. it's like, you tell me what setting it's appropriate and what it's not, and then I'll yeah probably yeah. not do it anyway. But yeah, interesting. And it's all, again, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't can't remember what I was saying. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm just like, it's almost like we're trying to like uh, play up our yeah. symptoms, but no, we're genuinely honestly. not. Like we're not because we're actually... This is fucked us. around for yeah. so long today that we have like a very short amount of time to even record this episode. Anyway. Um, anyway, so have yeah. you done? Can I go in yet? Oh, yes. Oh. I've got just a couple more. Um, often talks excessively, as I'm also demonstrating now, blurting out an answer to a question before a question has been completed, completing sentences, mm-hmm. interrupting, difficulties with turn taking, doesn't play nice with others. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Oh, I'm just going to say. I um, okay, yep. And yeah, well, this one says often interrupts or intrudes on others. So yeah, butting into conversations, um, taking over, being um, controlling. Not Again, they didn't say that either. I've okay. riffed on that. <laughs> You're riffing. I'm making it sound worse than it is. It's not yeah. that bad, guys. Well, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, 
those sorts of things. It also has to be present before the age of 12. So we're really wanting mm-hmm. to make sure that because it is a neurodevelopmental, it's a brain mm-hmm. like um, condition, again, air quotes, mm-hmm. and a different brain style, it really does need to be evident or, you know, again, when that's internalising, that's harder. But we do need to sort of look back into childhood and make sure, okay, are mm-hmm. there some signs still there? Because mm-hmm. there could be something else if it's not. And if you're working with a... You know, experienced neurodiverse affirming psychologist, we're able, we don't, when we can look and, you know, some people might go, oh, but I was really good, like until I was 12, you know, I was perfect. Mm. Like, our job is to go and, like, dig, dig a little bit deeper and go, but well, what was the cost? And absolutely, no, I could not agree more. And that's something that I think I spoke about in the first episode, or maybe it's a future episode, but I've really, like, that's something that I'm like, Ooh, okay, but. I'm this person may be functioning okay, may be getting by. What is their what, – what's the status of their mental health? What compensatory well, st- strategies do they have in place already that help them get by? Um, oh, they're so good at school. They just sit there and they're quiet the whole time. Mm. Meanwhile, like they're not learning anything yeah. and they're falling behind because mm. all their attention is mm. put into trying and to sit still because <clears throat> allegedly that's what – children should be doing to learn yes good learners they call it i think horse today aren't i and so you know and you know that that's my like you know that's my big thing and i and if that sounds like you if what grace has described sounds like you or you know sounds like a maybe even a child or young person that you know at the moment i am coming for you i've got your back because i'm going to talk really really in depth into that if i ever get past this criteria um and yeah i guess we need to say they're present in two or more settings, um, mm. which is like, yeah, home and work or relationships and it's impacting. Mm. And I guess that's the main thing is we want to make, like we want to determine where the functional impacts are as well. And that's yep. something that the diagnostic criteria needs. But that's basically it. Um, what are your thoughts, Grace? I know that you've got know. something like to I say guess, there. I guess, <laughs> um, Obviously, you know, being careful as well because we're both registered mm-hmm. psychologists and we, we use the DSM and it's very helpful at times. Um, yeah. But like like so many other things throughout history, like like females were just forgotten. It is incredible that the it was, you know, the research and the diagnostic criteria was so heavily based on research that was conducted yeah. by males. And um, I guess it's just makes me so angry and frustrated because but like the work that yeah the work that I'm doing now is like so many amazing women who think maybe they're maybe they're really anxious or they want me to help you know they come and they're like I want to help for depression or I, I want I want help to you know be a better partner or I'm I've got really big emotions and there's something wrong with me and sorry as if it's not hard enough to be a woman already but to be told like you can't even do ADHD right like sorry you're not even ticking this box this box sorry you don't have ADHD it's just it's just anxiety or it's just depression or you know maybe you just need to try a bit harder like sorry I'm trying my best can't even do ADHD criteria right and then just a girl (laughs) and then um like what I'm seeing in my work is so Mm. Then the females and then, you know, in my clinical experience, um, people who are like assigned female at birth mm. are finding that they feel like failures because they've been working on their anxiety and depression for 10 years or whatever and it's not improving. So they feel bad about that. Mm. They also feel bad about 
you know, the areas in their life that they're having difficulties with in functioning. But then I'm sitting here as a very serious psychologist. Um, you know, at, look, yeah. the, I'm sitting here as an experienced psychologist in this area and I'm trying to say to them, like, my clinical opinion is you have ADHD or my clinical opinion is, you know, you meet criteria or there's enough information here that I recommend you go and, mm. you know, talk to a psychiatrist. And they've been so conditioned to know it can't be ADHD because this is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I have my work cut out for me. And, uh, yeah, and that, I find that, again, I work in a similar field to you. And I just find that so heartbreaking too because you, I guess you're probably the first person to tell them that. And so the messages that yes. they um, – the messages that they've been receiving probably their whole life – not probably definitely been receiving their whole life and you're the first person coming in saying hey I think it's just more than that and actually what you're experiencing is this that can be confronting in itself and it it really just shouldn't be that way yeah it's always confronting I think overwhelmingly it's like a relief and it's Mm. so affirming and it that's like the first step of women you know um, people that are assigned female at birth that I'm working with like their life we're yeah. working with like their lives changing for the better but yeah and it's but there's so much grief and loss caught up in it as well because know. you know they also can just go wow I've sat in so many GPs offices or I've with other psychologists or like are you serious like I've been like this at school how did it get missed and um, yeah and what could I have done and again you can't like again it's not fair to think this way and it's not you know it's it's tricky but what could I have achieved or what could I have done if I'd known about this earlier? Like, I think that's heartbreaking. Like, I'm still, like, I'm, you know, I, I will, I don't, like, there's no way I'll ever, like, fully maybe heal or know how, like, I would have developed if I didn't have such a long experience of, you know, being, like, feeling like, oh, I'm just a bit lazy and shit and that's, like, kind of my jam. Yeah. Um, and yeah. look, I, I, and again, I feel like this is probably what we're going to head into now, but... Mm-hmm. All of that is so valid, but I think what it comes back to is that no one has a, a really – not no one. There's just so much misconception and yep. misunderstanding about yep. what ADHD yep. is. Again, how it can present differently. And, like, again, if you don't tick those boxes in my in my beautiful little book, sorry, no. Yep. And, you know, and again, we can see how you tick them in a in a different way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is a shout-out to anyone that's listening and going, oh, is it a bit overdiagnosed in women – Absolutely not. Women have been forgotten, like for the vast majority, just forgotten and not thought about. And we're just starting to be recognised and it's not overdiagnosed in women. And um, it's exciting that women are starting to, um, like, I guess, what am I saying, Georgia? It's just exciting that women are now um, getting, like, proper diagnoses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess that leads into something that I hear said all the time, whether mm. that be other people that I speak to or, like, cross-mingle with. Mm. Cross-mingle. But cross-mingle. Um, people that I come across, I guess, people online, mm. there's so many things that people say, like, oh, ADHD is so overdiagnosed Ugh. at the moment. And I guess this is going into, this is something that we asked yes. our listeners yes. earlier in the week. And again, we actually have listeners that have actually... <laughs> Blows bro- my mind. Yeah. And like, I'm not, again, mind. no family members here. And so I think, you know, Grace, this is probably like, I'm going to have to hold on here because I don't know where this is going to go. And Ooh. like, I guess... We're going to go through some things that people said, and this is something that you and I say all the time. I see it all the time. It just 
has like a little rage fire inside of me every time I see or hear this. Rage fire. Like, I love that. Again, the first one I can say here is it's a TikTok fad. Come on. As is. Like, I know that it's got a lot of airtime on TikTok, but yeah. for good reason, I think. And a fad. Like, and again, I, I've heard other um, ADHD women say this, mm. um, but like, if on the off chance it was a fad, yeah. Like what a shit fad. Like honestly, like I, I don't, don't want to follow that fad. Like like it's it's no fun. Like even like like no. I don't know, even today was a bit shit getting here because like emotional dysregulation, yeah. like difficulties with executive functioning, planning and organizing. Yeah. I in fact have to be somewhere in what time is it now? About like, half an hour. About half an hour. Like we just started this because yeah. I s- struggle so much with planning and organizing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to get there, but it's like, not a fad. it's not a fad, you know, it's, it's not like people are saying it's overdiagnosed. We're going to go through some stats in a sec that we just like, it's yep. not overdiagnosed. Um, Everyone's a bit ADHD. Did you know that Grace? Everyone's a bit ADHD mm. or, oh, so yours is only mild. Or, I feel like everyone does mild, that. Yeah. I feel like oh, this person's ADHD. Yeah. And again, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, this happens probably. And does happen for all mental illnesses. But I, why ADHD so much? Like, it's not like if someone's, like, clinically depressed. You're like, oh, well, you know, and I know people do say this, but, like, as a whole, there's less people saying, oh, well, you know, I was sad myself one day. Mm. Like, but, well, I don't know, it's picked on so much with ADHD. But, like, that is why we're here. Like, we, you know, in fairness to the people that think that, mm. playing devil's advocate now, like, we're actually, you know, in recent history yeah like can they look to and go oh okay like yeah everyone isn't actually a bit adhd oh actually like like to be fair they're just probably basing that on what they've seen no and thank you for that because i feel like we are no we are in a place i I guess what i bring myself back to is Mm. when i find myself getting a bit caught up in that or a bit fired up you and i are in a place of privilege not only are we adhders but we also have training and interest we're psychologists. in yeah we're psychologists and yeah. we have an interest in being neurodiverse yeah. affirming and like I guess advocating for people mm-hmm. in this group of like I guess ADHDs or neurodivergence mm-hmm. or like basically any brain I think you and I are very accepting of all brain types but I guess yeah, we're no, all so passionate we're both so passionate with neurotypical brains if they <gasps> want to have a conversation and say something and then wait for the other yeah. to have a break and then the yeah. other person say something and then and don't forget to ask a question don't uh, don't forget to ask them a question about themselves yeah me um, um but no so sorry. that's a uh, sorry neurotypical people we love they you make eye contact um yeah okay so um, okay. But yes, we so need, like, I've got somewhere to be. We there's need to lots. Move this along. Yeah, there's uh, lots. <laughs> okay. Well, there's lots of new. Like I guess we've got. There mis- is a really good one here. Like um, oh. people, like, and there was like a theme of like, oh, my friend has ADHD, but they can do X, oh, Y, Z. I did love that one. Actually. But so you know, I guess the again the ADHD mm. a person's lived experience is like, all oh, right, well, fine, you have ADHD, but other ADHD ADHDs can do X. So why can't you do X? Yeah, or stop using it as an excuse. You, you're using your ADHD as an excuse. It's like, and it's not. It's like it's it's a mm. reason. It's a context. Like Sorry. it's you know, um, and again, what we'll talk about more. And again, I'm not. We're not seeing this out there. Is still that's true. Like your, mm. someone might say, my friend has ADHD and can do X, but I'm noticing you can't. Yeah. yeah, because it presents differently. Yeah. That person might have more, a more internalised experience Absolutely. Of, of ADHD. And um, ma- like amazing thing would be yeah. that 
people don't get told things no. like that as much no as a result of our podcast no but like even just look at you and me like i think we said this in the last episode you and i i think a lot of our internal experiences are the same but the way they manifest behaviorally is so different so and different i and guess i'm even starting to realize that yeah you like our, some of our internal experiences are even different mm. because i am mm. so much more externalized with my ADHD. I thought you were going to say so much older. I was like, yeah, we know, Grace. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. Like, and honestly, I'm looking so nice today. You I just, you good. know. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've very, very well and truly covered the misconceptions mm-hmm. and the myths and some of the things that people say that are just straight out, just not a vibe. Here's what we actually know about ADHD. Okay. So this is stats, numbers, research. And I'm going to yep. rapid fire through them. So awesome. They're saying about 6 to 8% of Australian children have ADHD. And so that's in children, right? I couldn't really find an accurate. Oh, no, here we go. Approximately 3 to 5% of Australian adults have ADHD, which means that about more than a million Australians do have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Having a first degree relative, so that's someone like a sibling or a parent, like in your immediate family. Mm-hmm. So having a first degree relative with ADHD is associated with two to eight times increased likelihood, which depending on the study can be about 70 to 80% heritability of yeah. ADHD. And it's coming out at more, you know, closer to, yeah, the 80% heritability yeah. now. So I think some even higher than that, but again, it depends mm-hmm. on the study and the sample and how mm-hmm. good the study is. Um, but I guess it's also influenced by genetic and environmental factors as well as like interplay between that as well. So it's not hard and fast. That if your parents got it or your sister's got it, you've got it too. Um, but it's likely. Economic and wellbeing costs of ADHD in Australia are estimated to be $20 billion annually. So like the economic and wellbeing cost. That blows my mind. So that's people like and they're like people working, people producing into the economy, but also like mental health and accessing supports. And like, that's like a wellbeing cost, sick days, um, burnout, things like that. $20 billion a year. And, you know, all the comorbid like mm. yeah, mental health that comes from it. Yeah, that's, that's wild, you know, wild. It's just, I can't even process it, to be yeah, honest. But even in the research, the consensus is that symptoms can decline into adulthood. I don't, that's not something that I see, but that's what the research says is that the symptoms can decline. What I actually think is it just looks a bit different. But I'm so old and it hasn't declined yet, so I'm, I'm wait, still waiting. I'm waiting for my decline um, in symptoms. No, it's what that's what they're sort of saying and that's what very much is still out there. And when I was reading about this stuff is, oh, it declines into adulthood, declines into adulthood. I think it looks different. Um, maybe people learn compensating yeah, strategies. Absolutely. I think there's reasons for why it looks yeah. that way. Is it what I see clinically? Is it what I hear? Is it what I experience? No, but that's what the research is still saying. So mm-hmm. just worth putting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and it talking about the female experience of ADHD, it's well agreed in research and clinical trends that while women and girls experience the same symptoms as males, there are often key differences in the expression, which is mm-hmm. why women are underdiagnosed. That's it, underdiagnosed, not overdiagnosed. Mm. As many as three quarter quarters of adult women living with ADHD are not formally diagnosed. Oh, my God. And, okay. you know, according to some studies. Yes. And of the women who do get diagnosed with ADHD as adults, um, look back and are able to recognise the signs from younger years at school, in friendships, in performance, mm. in relationships – and wondering, you know, how different life could have been if they were diagnosed earlier. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I, I 
I will try, I'm, I won't go into that more now. Despite the whole you know, ADHD is, diag- is overdiagnosed, um, estimates suggest it's actually underdiagnosed. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And there's starting to be more and more research into how gender comes into play and how women and non-binary people tend to slip through the cracks more often. Um, then once someone is, is, is diagnosed, it can be a struggle to get access to evidence-based treatments, mm-hmm. whether because of costs of ADHD um, or, you know, in my opinion, you know, this is just my mm. clinical opinion, there still is a gap in how many neurodiverse, ec- like experienced, trained ADHD or yeah. neurodivergent psychologists there are out there. Yeah. So, you you know, you want to get that diagnosis and then you want to, like, sit with a professional that's like, yeah. I know how your brain's wired. Like, I'm not going to yeah. tell you to challenge some of those automatic thoughts and send you yeah. on your way. Um, and the, that's, um, because, again... Yeah, and I think it comes down to, like, and it's again, it's like, oh, everyone does that. So, like, let's say, yeah, people do forget things from time to time. A lot of people can put things in place like lists and habits and doing things like in a habit or a routine. If you have a psychologist that's like, oh, just make a list or, oh, just do that routine or, oh, just be in a routine or just follow the time or every five minutes or, you know, like make sure you're looking at the time, that's not going to connect with an ADHD person as well as a neurotypical person or at all even. Or they will connect with them and they'll go, right, fantastic, my psychologist is telling me to do this. And then... They already know that that's what they should be doing. Why can't I do it? And then they, why can't they? So it's not working. And why am I so shit at everything? So yeah. So so then you know when when people I'm working with are like, I really want to eat healthier. I'm going to like start doing big shops and meal prepping. Mm. It's kind of like so your goals to eat healthier. Like, do you think like it's like, you know, that's the best way for how your brain works. Yeah. To to you know um, force yourself to um, do back like big shops. Do um, heaps of meal prep and or is that something that might not actually be sustainable for your brain? Like maybe something like a meal delivery service is more ADHD friendly and anyway. Um, no, I definitely, <laughs> I, oh, I 100% resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, like I, I try to pull the people I'm working with up and go like, like the goal is eating healthy. Like we can work on that goal, but like maybe there's ways to reach that goal that aren't the, you know, the neurotypical gold standard. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll try to wrap my bit up now as well but um wild adhd is the most common disorder among boys age 4 to 11 only about half the number of girls the same age are diagnosed according to the australian institute of health and welfare so i think it's very likely that there's a lot of young girls sitting in classrooms Mm. right now struggling but not diagnosed, not recognise what's going oh, on. Yeah. No, it's like, I d- yeah, that mm-hmm. one just gives me like a little bit of a, I could, a, yeah. a shiver. Like, you, yeah. And you work like mostly mm. with children and teens. So um, it's just so hard. Like, it's just so hard. Um, and like people will say, oh, it's more common in boys. But like, yeah, that, that's because, and that's what it, it looks like. But yeah. it's, and I guess well, it's I, probably not. Like, maybe it is, but we just don't know yet because it's been so missed in females. Mm. Um, so Georgia, how if we go back and kind of break down mm. the female presentation yes. of ADHD or the um, yeah, if you could kind of break that down of what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you mentioned it before, and like it's 
very, very true. But generally speaking, um, women do tend to internalise and compensate for their differences and difficulties more. So I guess um, when we say internalise, like on the surface, it may not look like somebody's struggling, but internally, it's like, I guess that analogy of like the duck is on the water and it's swimming along beautifully down the stream. So lovely. But underneath <laughs> these poor little, this poor little duck, yeah. the legs are going like mad. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that is something. And again, as we said at the start, yeah, it's not just women, some yep. um, those that are, yeah, gender diverse or male can experience um, higher levels of that sort of internalizing presentation yeah. as well. But that's Absolutely. what we're, yeah. So I guess what we do see on the surface sometimes is, yeah, anxiety depression mm. um adhd might not get flagged mm. um i Lazy. guess yeah to um promiscu- promiscuous yeah and when you treat yeah i guess when you treat anxiety and depression in adhd as that are undiagnosed adhd you're not really getting to that root cause of what's causing that depression and anxiety um but yeah i guess those that are experiencing the internalizing presentation of adhd are are experts what we call masking which has a cost to our energy to our regulation um those that are i guess what we know about adhd in females Mm. is there's um a lot of people pleasing a lot of sensitivity to rejection and that's something that is characteristic of adhd it's it's nasty rsd or rejection sensitivity dysphoria is hectic it's so it's the, the lived experience mm. is just this, like pain all through your body. Mm. It's just oh, it's honestly ugh. yeah, it's mm-hmm. not good. Um, but yeah, I guess society has sort of latched onto this idea that if someone's gonna be ADHD, mm. they're gonna be bouncing off the walls um, and things like that. So as you said, if you've got a little girl or a little person who's sitting in the classroom, sitting there beautifully, looking like they're listening, looking like they're following along, but their brain is elsewhere or they're un- they're finding it difficult mm-hmm. to focus for whatever reason. They might be called daydreamy. They might say they need to apply themselves a bit harder. They might get sort of like the lazy or unused potential type things. That's what I sometimes will see in a kid's school report. Yeah. But it, yeah, it can get mistaken for laziness and get mistaken for, oh, they're just off with the fairies. Or that's just, that's just grace, mm-hmm. for example. Oh, um, I, sorry, you were just in front of me. I'm not. <laughs> RSD. But I am lazy. Um, And I get, and for those listening right now, if you've had an ADHD assessment and like you're, you weren't mm. diagnosed, but you thought, oh, I, I still feel like this fits. Or mm. you're thinking of your child. Um, like um, a, a neurodiverse ex- trained psychologist would be able to like, look at the school reports and go, right, so like beautiful comments, beautiful, beautiful. Mm. But let me actually like speak to your child and see like mm. are they able to listen in class while they're sitting perfectly still or let me yeah. call the teacher up and – actually like their report card was beautiful but once you've spoken to the teacher they're like oh like you know yeah I don't think they have absorbed anything all term it's like right okay well we can actually now meet that criteria and I guess that's something that I think yeah if we've got someone that is a delight to teach or a beautiful valued member of the class yeah I'm not trying to toot my own horn but that was probably what was in my reports um they're not causing disruptions in class. They're not causing the teacher stress. They're not saying, I can't teach with this kid in my classroom because it's disrupting other students. Mm-hmm. If they're not actually causing problems, no one's going to really look further mm-hmm. at and being like, hey, what's going on with Grace? And I guess the reinforcement that they get, sorry, I know you've got a point. No, the reinforcement no. they get from <laughs> teachers, like really good job. Oh my yeah. God, you're so lovely, so amazing. 
that then reinforces oh. the masking too and they go on and they do it and they do Did it. Did that happen like oh, 100%. That for you? It's like 100%. Just experiences were yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. And, and girls already at such a young age, like we've already got so much subliminal messaging that, you mm. know, to do the right thing and to be a good girl or to make, you know, to like, I guess, yeah. do the right thing. So, yeah. Um, it's like it's twofold there so again the world is changing though so it's no longer Mm. okay to like yeah okay yep they've got beautiful like george is a delight in class no worries not adhd yeah but you can be deeper you can be a delight in class and be a good person and still need support and still need help and still be struggling it doesn't make either of those things only mutually exclusive i think they even call it but it's just, I guess, and we did ask our listeners, um, and we got a oh, we listeners. got so much. I Goodness love saying me, it, our, our listeners. listeners. But me. I guess some of the things that came up, and yeah, mm-hmm. in this section, I remember it being purely females, which what just is how it turned out, and that's okay. But they were sort of saying, yeah, things like memory, executive mm-hmm. functioning, rejection sensitivity is a big one, and I just, yep, yeah, I could talk all day about that one. Yeah. That's something that. <laughs> and <laughs> and I guess managing relationships too, which all of those things, I think. Are coming up soon, yeah. like in future episodes. In future episodes, they're like pretty important in life. Aren't Very they? important, and I guess, for the females that might be listening now, or um, or people that were you know assigned female at birth. If you're thinking, like, just you know, I just want to come in now and say, some of us females absolutely do have hyperactive and impulsive behaviours. I am one of them. Like, absolutely, like, fit that mould, mm-hmm. um, and that you know can still look more nuanced and a little bit different to this Mm. poor six-year-old boy we keep talking about who's throwing a table. So, you know, for a female presentation, you know, what that we're starting to see more of is they're, you know, uh, maybe a little bit less disruptive, Mm. um, but maybe they're kind of more quickly given a label of, oh, like they're they're pretty promiscuous, you know, they, Mm. oh, like they're really liking attention from boys and, oh, um, you know, oh, um, you know, they, they, you know, maybe they, it's not obvious, they're not like punching holes in a wall or yelling a lot, but like they're kind mm. of getting into alcohol and drinking at parties like every weekend, you know, more than their, their other people in their friend group. Or, or they're doing it at home where no one can see them. They're no. not punching holes in walls at school. They might be doing that at home and like with their family and their siblings and things like that. You just yeah. don't know. Yeah. But, um, and, um, it, you know, they might be promiscuous, you know, because there's the hyperactivity going on or the impulsiveness and also like it's just like they've been told you know they're not good at anything else for all these years they're lazy yeah yes and it Um, sounds like that's something like i know that you're really (laughs) passionate no like that's something i don't want to assume but like that's something that you talk really passionately about and um i know that yeah you're very open with your experiences but um um and like um we see this like we like I'm I'm going to like just also quickly say some facts, mm. but I just want to make it really clear like I see this every week like mm. these these impacts of the female experience of ADHD not being diagnosed. So there is like such an increase in self harming activities for females. Mm-hmm. There is such an increase in compensatory strat- strategies you know, leading to working two or three times harder as her peers in order to succeed equally. Um, like increase in fears of rejection by 
friend, peers or friends um, and, you know, maybe clinging to people that are unhealthy mm. due to, you know, this, this RSD in them that they, like, they, don't, they don't have the name for it. They don't know. If, you know, you can't really work and mm. improve something if you don't know what's going on. Low self-esteem is mm. more prominent in females with ADHD than in males with ADHD or non-ADHD yeah. female controls. Gosh. Like low self-esteem is just rampant, you know, absolutely. Um, mm. um, responding to life stresses with emotions and yeah. a f- kind of feeling a lack of control over their situation. Yeah. Um, again, that you know, if if that's kind of ha- your experience, and you, but you don't know why, and you, mm. if you don't know why, you can't then develop appropriate strategies to manage it. Yeah. It that translates into difficulties coping with home life, yeah. feelings of disorganization, um, lots of like um, physical. Like I'm also seeing. I don't know if like you see this much, mm. but thing you know, females often like us. In my clinical experiences, so many neurodivergent females you know have also always had things like i've always had migraines yeah, I've, I've always headaches. had headaches or i've always had sleep difficulties yeah. i've always had have stomach aches um sleep and adhd and sleep and neurodivergence in itself i'm finding is bigger and bigger but again sleep is one of those things that it's just so elusive not many people know anything really definitive about elusive. sleep oh my love it's elusive like sleep is elusive to me like oh. every night as well it is yeah um, like where do, how do i get some more um, of that and Sorry. you know other indicators of adhd in girls and women mm. include like i touched on earlier co-occurring depression anxiety mm. difficult in ro- difficulties in romantic relationships yeah. that you know actually can mean that they are mm. more likely to experience intimate partner violence like this is serious yeah. stuff and just something else you know i've noticed is a lot of the females i'm working with are you know feeling constantly tired and exhausted because they're chronically understimulated yeah. their brains aren't producing enough enough dopamine mm. to live in this neurotypically designed world yeah. and yeah it's pretty awful going through life constantly understimulated yeah um, yeah so absolutely. yeah and yeah so i look we've only we've we're going to go into some of these areas that we've just flagged in a lot more depth mm, yeah. um, and give it a lot more space and I will yeah. maybe not make plans <laughs> um, so um, straight after yeah. so that we can you know these areas just for those listening if something I've said or George has said like really resonates and you want to know more like it's it's coming yeah. Um, and Our DMs are always open if you need them. <laughs> oh, and we I love feedback. We love feedback. But remember, I remember only nice jokes. feedback because we're very sensitive people. We've got RSD. <laughs> um, but I think you know, for the for the rest of of our time today, mm-hmm. we just wanted to take a little bit of a time to share yeah. with everyone our own diagnosis yeah. journey. So we've said, you know what the dsm is um how it presents yeah. and yeah georgia i'm like so proud of you you're so amazing oh um because yeah, i'm you know you're so young and i'm so much older than you so the <laughs> fact that you're stepping up and um thank you so much for sharing and being willing to share your oh. diagnosis journey and um pl- yeah i'm i yeah. i you know i'm excited i've heard it obviously and i've lived it with yeah. you but i'm excited to even hear it again and thank you thank you so please, much please like what was tell us what it was like so I was a I was a late starter. So I got diagnosed, you know, when I was 25 and it kind of was just like the quarter life. It was a quarter life crisis that never really ended or 
I was like, maybe this is just a, a really long sort of energy hangover because I just finished uni and I'd gone straight in from uni to my master's and I've gone straight from my master's into working full-time and doing an internship as a provisional psychologist which I guess if you're not a provisional psychologist you won't know all the ins and outs of what's involved but there's a lot like you there's the work you do but then there's the work like the reflections about the work you do and all the case studies and supervision and all the extra research and work if you're trying to find your feet as being a clinician so I just thought like oh I'm just real like a little bit buggered um you know like a little bit tired 25 now that's old like my brain's not what it used to be (laughs) um but I guess if I was to look back like I've always had like a long-standing history of anxiety like you can ask my mum my dad my sister whoever I've always been a really neurotic kid like (laughs) just highly anxious but and again I hate saying things like nice about myself but I was a very intelligent kid um but I always just thought like oh like you just like yeah I would say like oh you lack like I just would think that I'd lacked discipline or I'd had no motivation or I was again like lazy or I needed to try harder or um, I just struggled the whole way through my undergrad and master's because I couldn't actually sit and do an assignment or do studying for my HSC was horrendous mm, but and just just to clarify for everyone listening mm. when you say that you really struggled because this is quite different to my experience yeah. you Am I correct in recalling, like, but you got amazing marks? Yeah. Like so, like, again, I hate saying You, stuff you like struggled this. internally and it was, like, brutal and, that you know, the, the, the tax for you. Yeah. But just to be clear, like, you got, like, the absolute amazing marks in your HSC and you oh, yeah. smashed it in uni. And yeah. Am I correct in saying, like, you got Ds and HDs consistently all through uni? Is that right? Yeah, I got one credit in my thesis in my fourth year thesis but that was because it was a year-long project and it was hard and I didn't like it I don't like doing research research is important we love to know about it but I yeah I bombed out my thesis which is probably like where your whole degree leads well just to clarify you know I'm sitting over here very happy when I got a credit so yes don't say credits bombing out but it's really important (laughs) to say then again that's my you're like you struggled but externally oh you were actually killing it and like you you know you were like in that top presenter for people in your year at uni so just want to clarify absolutely so some people get told they need to try harder or that they need to do more or be more that was me telling me that I needed to do that Mm -hmm. no one else around me if anything people were like why are you so hard on yourself like why are you pushing yourself this hard like it's fine like you and again I think I had a lot there was a lot of things that I was doing that was actually supporting me and compensating like I would body double I would find people to study with I would like do those things I would like sit with somebody doing something else like I would take my I'll, like I take my housemates grocery shopping with me because I just was like I can't do that and I'll remember or remind me I need to get this and all that sort of stuff I had, had just internalized a lot of these things I think um and had quite low self-concept like and yeah unrelenting standard with myself and on the outside if you sort of just passed me in the street or passed me at work or passed me in uni you and not know. known you would have no idea but and I was I like not know I was coming home and I was burning out like maybe every three to four weeks. Like I'd have three weeks on top of everything, like going hell Mm -hmm. for leather and doing it. Mm -hmm. But then I'd get to the fourth week and I would just crumble and be, couldn't get out of bed or just could barely like, Mm -hmm. um, just in terms of my energy Mm -hmm. just had none. Yeah. I'm just Um, like, it's just so heartbreaking just to hear that. Like just to think of baby Georgia or Georgia, you know, like, Actually like less recently. than 12 months ago yeah actually and um, um yeah and that's like so it's like it was the cost to you it was the cost like- yeah and it just like I guess 
and when you don't have energy but you're using all your energy on being so hard on yourself or mm. um oh but i don't want to let people down like rsd and people pleasing like oh like setting boundaries yuck like that was something that really impacted my presentation as well was like just how i in- interacted interpersonally like how sensitive i was to rejection like that's something i think we can do a whole episode on so i won't go too much yeah. in that then um and i guess you know now it's like there's been like a light switch on in my brain yeah I still have those days where like (laughs) pre-diagnosis Georgia comes in and was like you need to be doing more you need to be trying harder Mm -hmm. but now like I guess the diagnosis for me more than anything was this identity that I now have and almost like a like a permission slip we'd be like okay this is how your brain works this is what you can Mm -hmm. do with it Um, and so the again this is a point that I want to make and then I'll pass over to you Grace because I feel like this will segue um nicely and I don't want to keep us for too much longer but Basically, like I have people coming to me or a pe- like I have had people say like, what, what's like, I don't want to, I don't want to explore medication. Like, what's the point of a diagnosis mm-hmm. or like, oh no, I'm not going to medicate or I am like, you know, and I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't medicate. That's a bigger topic mm-hmm. as well. You could do a whole podcast series on its own called mm-hmm. ADHD medication. Yes or no. Mm-hmm. We're not, I'm not going to step too much into what, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. Pe- I mean, psychiatrist, pediatrician. Oh, I am a psychologist. A sorry. Um, and so I'm not going to get into that debate because there's a lot of reasons why people do, don't want to, should, shouldn't. Some people can't. It doesn't work for some people. Like some people don't find it. It, it. Anyway, I'm not saying what to do. I personally take medication. I'm very open in sharing my experiences around that. But it, again, it's a tool. But if someone was to say that to me, and it's what I in fact do say when people say this to me, even if they do get a diagnosis, they don't want medication. It's like that's that person's identity. And I guess, you know, if you have a child or if someone has a child and they're like, no, I'm not going to get them a diagnosis, I don't want them to feel oh, more this, different. Yes, the kid already is going to – if it, they don't already, they're going to they, feel different and having that diagnosis is not going to make them – They fucking know they're so different. And it's not going to make them feel more or less different by having a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to – like you don't have to medicate for ADHD if you don't want to and that's something that you – go through, do your own research, work with your medical team on as well. I'm not, again, I'm stepping away from that now. But the identity for me is probably the most useful thing. Um, And it's kind of like being this like, oh, great. So it's not just me being lazy, right? I'm not just like doing things completely ass up all of the time. So anyway... Yeah. I, that's that's my journey at the that's, moment is letting Georgia, go of shame. it's been beautiful to watch you like blossom yeah. and grow and like yes you're still high on yourself and you're still a perfectionist but like it's been beautiful to like watch you embrace mm. your authentic self more and Thanks, you know see the little times where you can be less hard on yourself yeah. and um, which wasn't today by the way me being like why didn't I do this why haven't I done that like I should have known that was gonna happen yeah so old Georgia is along for the ride today yeah <laughs> and like, and like cause you've got a lot you know a lot of unlearning to do because you didn't yeah. get it early but yeah. earlier but yeah that's right. very beautiful and brave and thank you for sharing oh, thank you so much oh no worries <laughs> your turn now you yep yeah, you I'll let you take the front um, seat. so I was also officially diagnosed later in life but it had I guess different to Georgia it had been flagged throughout my childhood um and yeah like by by teachers by school counsellors and um I yeah I had certainly I guess I certainly had like a lot of inattentive but I still had the impulsive hyperactive behaviors too I guess though they were like expressed at as a female would express them, not, yeah. you know, I wasn't climbing trees and punching holes in walls. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
very much flagged and I remember even doing like some assessments with a school counsellor but Mm. um, I guess it was hard for you know people to kind of anyone to maybe accept that because we just yeah we had a view of what back then in the 90s of what ADHD was so you know I just you know had some fun thinking that I was really just somewhat intelligent but just like really really lazy and Mm. um yeah I remember that everything was a struggle so and just to be clear like when I say everything was a struggle I'm not you know it was different from Georgia in the sense that it was absolutely a struggle but she got those amazing results like I'm saying everything was a struggle Mm. and like everything I did reflected that struggle um you know I wasn't you know until for most of school I was just constantly underperforming um so yeah I had and I would you know I'd have fleeting moments in life where everything would make sense like maybe I'd be really excited about something and I'd feel awake and stimulated and be like oh okay like you know I feel good today but like those days were quite fleeting um and you know most of the time if I was to think of you know like you know my high school self Mm. I just felt exhausted I constantly yeah. needed to sleep and I was one of, you know, if I wasn't doing something hyperactive or impulsive, I was just sleeping. Like everyone knows how much I slept. One of my best friends, <laughs> hi Sophie, one of my best friends like still seems like surprised when I message her. Like like I might message her at like 7 o'clock on a 7 a.m. on a weekend. She'll go, oh, you're up early. Like it's just, <gasps> and she's not, she's not being rude. Like no. it's just, I was so, like I had to sleep so yeah. much. So it, like it's, it was Again, we all just thought it was like my identity or my yeah, personality or who I was. That's just grace. Yeah, I, no. just grace, but it was like, no, I'm I'm so understimulated. Yeah. I can't my I can't be almost bothered waking up for this world because I don't have enough dopamine. That's it. And uh, like, I'm just trying so hard to like keep it together with the brain that I've got that doesn't have enough dopamine. And the exhaustion is next level, like next level. But yeah, sorry, you keep going. Oh yeah. Um. And again, I I you know I couldn't understand why. I wasn't able to meet, you know, these ex- expectations placed upon me. Yeah. And I internalised the negative labels thrown my way. Mm. But I also um, probably, like, started, you know, like, not just internalising them. You know, I just started, like, believing and leaning into it. Like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Absolutely. Like, oh, people are going to call me this, so I'm, that's yeah. just what I am and that's how I'm going to be. Yeah. So mm. I, like, fully lent into, oh, I'm ditzy, oh, my gosh, and um, oh, I'm just really lazy. And, like, I even was like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm selfish. I hate that word, sorry. Selfish which one? is like selfish. Yeah, hate and, like, I actually would say that's something I'm still struggling with. Like, yeah. I probably can, like, let go of the other things, but I, I just thought for so long I was just this, like, inherently incredibly, like, selfish person because... Mm. Um, which for is, lots of reasons, but which is so far from true, Grace. You've got the really? most beautiful heart, like you do, like the so way I was that just you like, really. No, <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Yes, anyway, like, I can't go there, but yeah. I just, I, um, yeah. And I would just, yeah, I was constantly battling against who I actually was yeah. and ableist expectations that were placed upon me. Ableist, ableist, love it. Um, but yeah, look, because I had undiagnosed ADHD Mm. and I didn't have any fucking tools to deal with and know I had like you know I had I was impulsive and hyperactive yeah I did genuinely make decisions that hurt people yeah um but um I was just searching for something to make me feel alive to break free from the monotony Mm. 
that seemed to be what life was and you know making you know those moments of being hyperactive or impulsive and making poor decisions like I guess I just got to experience a, a baseline level of stimulation in yeah. those times and um yeah, I didn't know at the time that these impulsive choices were a result of my ADHD. Yeah. Trying to seek s- stimulation and dopamine. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. So it was really easy for me and everyone to think I was just selfish, yeah. troublemaker. And that's the thing. Like, I think the thing that makes you really special, Grace, is that oh. you're so aware and you advocate for that. But, like, I guess I, what it comes back is we, we at no point do we ever want excuses for our behavior either like we don't use this as an excuse it's like our awareness of saying we need more support or this environment's not meeting our needs like so that's what really grinds my gears about people saying ADHD is an excuse we're not wanting a free pass to act how we want if we had probably had a choice we wouldn't be choosing that and yes we I was gonna say I was like can I swear yes we fuck up sometimes but you know, like it's not like we're just like, oh, well, I'm ADHD, so deal with it. Like it's No, I like, would love to go back and, and see like baby Grace and yeah. actually say yeah, you can't Grace. just start, you know, this new term of school and just decide to be different because yeah. like that impulsivity might still come up and you might still just decide to leave yeah. school at lunchtime. Um, I would love to go back and help her, yeah. but say like, but I can see that you really want to stay at school. Yeah. So like, how can we work with your brain to make it easier to do that? Um, yeah. So yeah, I would have had a lot less of these behaviours if I had been mm. supported and that's what I wanted yeah. and, um, and what I am passionate about doing now. Um, so it's quite, you know, I think we're a great like a duo because mm. ours like really contrast. Like yeah. we both had internalized experiences yeah. and we both knew we were different yeah but you um were able to kind of go right okay I'm just going to work so hard like this yeah. is what neurotypical should be like so I'm going to work as hard as I can and I'm going to reach that whereas which was you know huge mm. cost to you all I did was fight against it whereas like you know what I mean I would you know I might have had those impulsive tendencies or things that I wanted to do or but I'm like oh, I would I would I was so risk averse when I was young because I'm like, what if this person gets mad at me? What if I get in trouble? Mm. Like, what if I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing? And what if I, like, the anxiety of, like, that rejection, like, that would hold me back from a lot of things that I probably would have impulsively done. Like, I probably did do it. I guarantee I did impulsive <laughs> things. Like, but, but yeah, yeah, instead of fighting, like, I guess I see, like, a lot of fighting you, against. You did. Or, you just yeah. fought back. Oh, yeah, I see you as, like, working so hard to fight against it and be so neurotypical presenting and yeah again like we're a great duo because i went the other way i was like well fuck this yeah i am lazy like yeah yep like i am selfish yep like hmm. yeah i yeah i you know i can't i can't make plans yep come pick me up like yeah you know and i just lent into it and actually as as it turns out i am capable and i am 100 percent do have capacity to be a good person and a good friend and a good partner and all these things but mm. I went so far the other way instead of fighting against it yeah to your detriment absolutely I lent yeah. into it to my detriment and yeah. um I'm still like you know rewriting that narrative for myself yeah and I guess because I've got somewhere to be yeah <laughs> uh, I'm joking so do well, you- um we will go into that more but yeah. that's just I guess the summary of our yeah. diagnosis journeys and how 
they're similar and quite different at the same time. 100%. Um, and so I guess, yeah, just to wrap up. So I guess what we can see from my story, Grace's story, and there's an infinite amount of stories out there with um, ADHD and the traits that are associated with ADHD, there can be so much sort of internalized shame that comes from being ADHD in a neurotypical world. So that's sort of the first step to understand. Uh, like, I guess that's our mm. key takeaway is that that is an experience that a lot of people with ADHD have. And I guess, but you don't have to stay there. Like there is a lot of self-acceptance and growth oh. that can come from having the right support, not just any old support. Yes, um, not just any, yes. The right support and, and the like, right people yeah, around you. Make sure whoever's supporting you, if you are seeing mm. someone, you know, whether it's professionally or not, like they know actually how a neurodivergent brain is wired. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess getting diagnosed is not that magic wand, as I said. It doesn't like, and again, there's nothing to fix. Like I guess there could be structures put in place to support and things like mm-hmm. that. But the diagnosis is a crucial part. And again, the identity is like invaluable that you get from it as well. But in my, that's in my opinion, sorry. In my um, <laughs> and our experience, but... I guess we're going to sign off now, okay. but you can look forward to our next episode, which we go into sort of more executive functioning dopamine and real deep dive into that. Yeah, because um, we've touched on lots of things like fleetingly. Yeah. I guess moving forward, we get the space to go into specific areas and spend more time on them. Definitely. We really want to give mm-hmm. each look because there's so much to this, right? And we've gone way over time here because we are so passionate. We could go on about it for days and days and days. But... Yeah, we will leave it there. But I guess, you know, if there's anything that you want to hear more of, less of, we're always open to that feedback. So, I mean, relatively, (laughs) I'm joking. We are. And don't forget, we're here now. We're not going anywhere. And we've got your back. See you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't be strangers. Let us know what you think on social media or the email linked below. And remember to always take up space. We're here now. We're not going anywhere. And we've got your back. Love from your favourite Divergent duo. See you next time.